0: As we acknowledge today is the third Sunday of Evan, as uh, Kyle mentioned, and we pray together. Uh, uh, Historically, one of the themes of Advent is hope, and that's what we've been leaning into in particular uh, here uh, over these uh, weeks. And in particular, we've distinguished hope from optimism, which is also great. We're all for optimism. But optimism is, uh, the way we understand it, is it's sort of dependent on external news, whereas hope is is something internal. It doesn't require evidence or external good news to feel positive or to feel like there's something moving in life or there is hope for you. Uh, It's an internal thing. And so it is more resilient in some ways than optimism, but because it's internal, it's on us to grow that within us. And we have to help each other as a community do that. And so that's what we've been trying to do as, uh, as a group, as a community here. And to jump off uh, for today, uh, I want to, I want to jump off of this, this prayer that we had, as we sang, "O come, O come Emmanuel today, looking at this idea that suffering can end in hope. As we saw, this this line from Romans 5, that, that uh, suffering can lead to perseverance, which can lead to character, which can lead to hope. And that being an alternative to pain and suffering being passed on, like currency in our world, as the quote we considered. It just feels like that's the norm. But to get outside of that is is a, is a, a an amazing alternative. It has lots of possibilities for us, but it is so hard to do to not compound the envy and the strife and the quarrels in the world, and instead to let suffering grow hope in us. Pandemic life has been, Full of pain, full of suffering for all of us. And so we are all in grief is essentially what we've been talking about. It's, it's stolen many things, sen- stolen a sense of normal life. It's stolen many of the connections we rely on. It's stolen financial well-being for many of us. And we are just worn down from the fatigue of it all. And yet there is maybe the longest stretch still in front of us that this winter, which especially for those of us in colder climates feels certain to add to our grief, to add to that pressure we might feel to pass on our pain to the next person, just to get it off of our backs. So how can we grieve our losses instead? How can we stop the cycle of pain, passing it like currency? How can we, instead of compounding grief, grow hope in us. That is what we want to discuss today. And I think we're gonna come away with some really practical help because I, uh, we're gonna be joined by a special guest, a friend of mine who I respect so much and I've learned many, many very practical things from. Uh, I wanna introduce you all to Erica Coates who is joining us from Blacksburg, Virginia this morning. Hi Erica.
1: Hello Vince, hello Brownline. So happy to be with you.
0: So happy to have you. And uh, Erica is a licensed clinical social worker at Virginia Tech University and a former pastor. She is experienced in helping individuals suffering from trauma, relationship difficulties, anxiety, depression, and identity difficulties pertaining to religious or cultural upbringing. Uh, Erica and I are both a part of a weekly online small group that learns about and practices together uh, contemplative prayer. Uh, this has been a huge source of, uh, of of life for me and health for me, uh, as many of you heard uh, probably heard me talk about here on Sundays. And one of the people I've learned the most from in this setting is Erica. And so today she is going to offer a few spiritual and mental health principles on grieving our losses and growing hope within us so that we can weather this winter ahead so that we can not pass on our pain to the next person. We can do that alternative of letting uh, suffering grow hope in us. Uh, Reminder, as we discuss, feel free to throw your comments Feel free to throw questions that you'd like to pose uh, to Erica or to to any of us as we're we're, uh, guiding in this discussion. Feel free to offer anything that you have uh, to contribute to the discussion as we go along. But with that, I'm going to uh, bring us to uh, Erica's first point for, uh, for our, our three principles for today on grieving our losses and growing hope. The first one, Erica, is uh, you talked to me about finding words, uh, that as a principle. So can you tell us more uh, about what you mean there?
1: For sure, yes. Um, grief, powerful emotion, um, trauma, um, what we are all going through um, in different ways, at different levels, um, responding to COVID, responding to um, being uh, having more words for this pandemic of racism that we've all been swimming in, and uh, and some affecting so so deeply, so profoundly, and the spectrum of that. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to processing these deep experiences, these deep feelings, they're often nonverbal in the, we know this from the experience of intense emotion is not housed where um, the Broca's area that helps us find words um, is. And the very act of, of um, putting words to these waves, you'll, that's a um, concept in mental health that we think of as a helpful way of understanding grief, a helpful way of understanding emotion um, is that time's moving and we're having waves of uh, various feelings and experiences. And when we can put words to them, it is a, it, it literally is wiring our brain in a new way to bring from emotional centers to more verbal centers, more uh, analytical centers and gives us new space,
0: new options. So we are, so you're saying that from a, like a, uh, a brain perspective, that's why when I'm in an experience where I'm having an intense amount of emotion and I'm able to express it in a way to a friend or to my wife that like, ah, yeah, that captured it. Or somebody like speaks back to me words that seem to capture my experience. I, you're saying that like, it makes sense that we would literally feel something lift off of our shoulders because we found words for it. Right.
1: Yes, exactly. And we suddenly can take something that was held deeper in our brain and, and hold it out here. Oh, that's what's happening. That's what I'm feeling. That might be now what I need. And then we have a little choice. We have a little, we've gone from a little more of a powerless experience to an empowered experience. Maybe having words for it doesn't change the experience, but it does give us some uh, space to look at our reactions, our responses, our needs, our options. Um, so yeah, uh, talking things through, writing things out, um, putting words in prayer to our experiences is is kind of a is a very helpful step one.
0: So, uh, help me if I'm, if I'm overstepping, like what you're saying, or tell me if I, if I have it right. So when we're able to find words for, uh, the grief that we're feeling or the pain or the suffering that we're feeling, it doesn't necessarily change what what's happening, obviously, but it can change our ability to manage it. Does that, is is that a true statement?
1: Um, exactly. So, um, and we often need other people or we need, um, and I, other people to me right now, I'm thinking of God, (laughs) we need a, we need, um, uh, some supportive space to do that in. And so that can be with supportive others, um, that, and I can explain from a nervous system perspective of what that can give us. Um, it brings us to a more, um, place of support and safety that sometimes it's hard to get to if our brain's really active with anxiety. Um, and so, uh, being with supportive others or a, or the presence of God, um, as we feel that to be supportive can help, uh, the more reactive, active centers of our brain kind of soothe, And then we, Hmm. and then we can get to some more words.
0: Hmm. Uh, can you like, can I have an example of like both versions of that? Like what, what would it look like to do this, uh, with a, you know, somebody in each of our inner circles, you know, this is a trusted friend. And then what would it look like to do that with God?
1: sure so like uh my my best friend right now is coming to my mind um one of the only social outlets i am able to have my my partner is immunocompromised so i've i am the most shut locked down quarantined person i know right now in my constructs like i don't know other people who are as careful as we are at the moment um and so when uh i do get the chance every few weeks to go on a, a masked walk with her um we, you know, we are talking through our hardship and uh, I'm often able to come out with new pieces of what's going on for me that I d- would have done on my own. Um, and I, I am a bit of an extrovert, but I, I suspect introverts uh, may find that to also to be true. So, you know, um, I'll be able to say, hey, uh, I'm struggling so much with this coworker right now. Um because that connects to something else for me you know and i can see it differently and hold it differently and have space uh differently for what to do with that um and with god i have been um been learning um about some more contemplative prayer practices in the last year or year and a half and i've been using um the centering prayer idea of um if if you're unfamiliar where um, I often do it when I'm walking my dog, which I do often. So I'm walking, I'm thinking, churning, my brain's going. Um, <clears throat> sometimes it's like, oh my God, how am I going to get through this winter? <laughs> That's one of the things my brain is churning on. And um, and then I notice, oh, my brain's here, my heart's here. And I uh, give that to God and I use a, a kind of word to anchor me. And the monks who invented this prayer practice suggest not sharing the word, which is very hard. I would love to share my word with you, <laughs> but it's a word that so aptly touches on my um, a, a point. I'd like to grow faith for me with God, that God is um, <clears throat> taking care of things. Um, and so you just keep coming back to that word and kind of with a breath, you know, my head, my head's here, my head's there, my heart's here. And coming back to that word, and that's a way that I feel like um, I'm getting space and kind of knitting in trust and hope um, while holding all my rumination and anxiety at times.
0: That's really interesting, and I, f- I find it really interesting, almost like connected with this idea of you're encouraging us to find words for our experience and and, and express them, whether that's to God, another person, and then also connected with it, this prayer practice of like, but the, and then, and then there's this word that is very, it's very special. And, uh and, and yes, it's, it's such a, one of those curious ideas um, from spiritual teachers throughout the ages is the idea of using a word that is special to you and to God and, and to try not to share that because it, it adds to the experience that way. I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. That's cool.
1: Yes. It's really enhanced my relationship with God. And it's like, you know, we have all these like mindfulness apps and, that those kinds of things that teach us you know mental health meditation but this centering prayer thing kind of brings together for me um what i understand about mental health versus my spiritual life and kind of knits them together in this really really powerful way i'm hearing from god more it feels like um in this season
0: which has been neat
1: very restorative that's
0: wonderful that's wonderful so okay so that is uh this first principle of finding words Uh, The second uh, principle that we uh, prepped for today is this idea of environments of validation. Tell us what you mean uh, uh, about this.
1: So um, the therapy model that I am percolating on so much these days um, for myself, I teach it to college students at Virginia Tech um, repeatedly is that it's this idea of how our mind works that and, and late and later as decades have moved up forward the neuroscience has somewhat corroborated that we have analytic we have an analytical mind a rational mind is what we call it we have a, a mo we have our emotional mind that is hot and temperamental and um draws us to action, you know, or inaction, you know, draws us to want to pull back. Um, and then our, our rational mind says, well, this is how things should be. This is what's logical. Don't do this. That makes no sense, you know, X, Y, Z. But th- these two parts of us can kind of be in a battle. Um, you know, like, for example, uh, I can think of a few examples I'd like to draw out. Um, the, you know, I'm... Um, feeling sad or feeling envious that other people have this or that. Um, And that creates in me these feelings and urges in my body. Um, And my rational mind says, don't do that. That's not the right way to look at this. Just think of it this way, you know, or, or things that might minimize my feeling and might say other people have it so much worse, Erica, you know, um, that's not, that's not logical. And so we are in, we process grief in strong emotion. We process trauma um, uh, in less helpful ways when these two things are at war with each other.
0: Interesting, (laughs) okay, okay.
1: And so we can create validation by creating an environment of validation within our own heart and mind, we can find a more of a synthesis here in between this Venn diagram so that there's less warring between these two, between our emotions and what's logical. Um, we can find more peace um, by creating an environment of validation within ourselves to say, okay, how does my, how does what I'm thinking, my logic, my analysis here, hold a kernel of truth? We validate that. How do my feelings make sense, they hold a kernel of truth. Can I validate that? And that can help us kind of come a little more towards the middle ground here. Um, and um, I I think that this can be relevant um, as we're trying to process what we're going through um, during this pandemic, that we may want to just snap out of it um, we may want to just keep trudging forward, doing the the right thing always. And that's beautiful. Like, of course we wanna do those things. of course we wanna, um, you know, uh, take us down that path. And our feelings make a whole lot of sense right now. <laughs> you know, they, they hold some wisdom and truth too. And they hold kind of a key of what we might need from others and from God um, and from ourselves. So trying to listen kind of creates this environment a validation within ourselves. So that Venn diagram is something that um, I'm thinking about a lot uh, these days.
0: So just to make sure I'm I'm tracking. So um, a practical encouragement for us here would be to uh, when we notice. I feel like. Uh, I I feel like I could, I could ask in the chat, like, how often do you all feel like you have that, uh, these two parts of your uh, brain uh, at war with each other? Gosh, I feel like we would get lots and lots of responses there. Um, The, when I feel that one practical thing that I can do is try to, try to like think about a Venn diagram and think about like where, where both of those uh, overlap. That's what you're suggesting here.
1: Yeah, to say, okay, analogically, I'm thinking snap out of it. I'm thinking um, other people have it worse. Um, This can, in my working with students, sometimes that pertains to. Uh, folks who hold minoritized identities thinking my immigrant parents had it worse. I need to just snap out of this or you know I haven't personally lost anyone to police brutality just I need to just keep doing my advocacy or keep my head down just stop thinking about it you know um, ways we can invalidate ourselves. So listening for what what kernel of truth exists in our rational mind listening for what kernel of truth exists in our emotional mind as well, that um, it holds some truth too. And somehow trying to validate both those things can soften that war between the two.
0: Oh, that's really good. So yeah, we're not looking for a winner. We're not trying to, I I think I, I commonly hear maybe a more like pop psychology approach to this is like, you know, like, are you a feelings person or a thinking person? And that just, that just feels like it defeats the the point of this. Whereas you're trying to actually find validation for both sides of this, which are in all of us.
1: For sure. Absolutely. And from there, by, we found some new words. We found some validating words, which can um, help us process what we're experiencing, whatever it may be. um, And give us a little space for, for moving forward Um, into our moment right now. Um so the um this is why mental health is so obsessed these days with mindfulness is that it is um so powerful to over time train us to come to what what's happening right now because I can't control <laughs> any of that past stuff and I cannot control any of this future stuff. Try as I might, of course I want to, of course that would be great, but I just can't, you know. So um it, that's one way that the the goal of this therapy model, which by the way, I'm speaking from the therapy model is called dialectical behavior therapy, um DBT, if you want to Google anything about it. Um, there's tons online about it. Um, <clears throat> but that's why it so much tries to bring us back to what what about right here, right now. Um, and why that can be so empowering actually. Um But of course, our brain wants to take us to past and future. And we, we know we have a lot of neuroscience as to why that is. Um, So,
0: are there ways uh, that we, on this topic of environments of validation, um, are there ways that we can, uh, well, I guess I want to, I want to do two things. The the first question I want to ask you, and then the second question I want to pose to everybody in the chat here. So first question would be, um, how do we, uh, how can community help us with this because it strikes me that if we're trying to create an environment of validation internally that's connected with environments of validation in our in our overall world like in just who we who we hang out with do we feel validated um so that that's one question i want to ask you and then second if i can post something in the chat uh this is totally an option no one has to take us up on this offer because i'm asking for a little bit of vulnerability. But uh, it strikes me that we could we uh, your case study was really helpful, Erica, of like, these are things I'm feeling over here, and these are things I'm feeling over here. This is my rational mind. This is my emoting mind. And I wonder if anyone is willing to offer a case study from their own experience of like, yeah, this is something that I feel my rational mind telling me, and this is something that I feel my emotional mind telling me. And maybe, Erica, you can work that for us in a little bit if if somebody's up for taking us uh, taking us up on that offer before we're done here. but this this question that I posed to you, uh, how, did, how can our community help?
1: Well, uh, one of the primary ideas from DBT that I continues to ring true for me in my 17 years um, in, as a social worker is that the battle between rational mind and emotional mind gets more intense and heated when an individual is in an invalidating environment. Hmm. And so um, that can be you know, our our upbringing, that can be our socialization, uh, you know, uh, male identifying people shouldn't be upset. It can uh, definitely pertains to all the isms, you know, uh, that are uh, entirely invalidating. Um, Trauma, um, invalidation, um, at large and small scales, invalidation can often exacerbate the pain that comes from the battle within. So all that um, a community can do to help people, um, listen for when you're processing what's happening for you, how it makes sense. And as opposed to trying to problem solve, which is such mm. a inclination for smart people. <laughs> I love problem solving. <laughs> um, that is my urge. I want to get to what's next, how to get better. Um, and so as a therapist, I, am trying to slow down as I'm listening, uh, to, to humans, as I'm, um, creating spaces, um, uh, with, with people in groups is to, we, people naturally want to problem solve themselves. If it were that easy, they wouldn't need to be talking about this right now, that what they need space and time for is validation. And so, um, and so that to me, I, 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 have learned that the hard way, not to jump to problem-solving all the time. And my students that I serve right now are in such relational pain when other people want to jump to problem-solving so fast.
0: It's hurtful. Wow. That feels so resonant. And I I feel uh, that must be something that we all um, like knee-jerk reaction go to is problem-solving. I mean, in one sense, it's all like it's all very good hearted, right? Like we want to be we want to be good friends, we want to be good partners, we want to be good family members. Um, I don't know, like, do you have any hooks? I just feel like I've learned I've learned like little um, simple hooks uh, of like phrases or like ways to train myself, because it doesn't come naturally to me yet. But I want it to be able to come naturally to me to be more just the validating and not the problem solving. Um, I don't know some stock phrases or (laughs) something like that.
1: Yeah, um one stock phrase might be it sounds like you're feeling this way, is that true? Um one might be that must be so hard. Um cuz oftentimes people just keep going when you say that, you know? They're like, "Yes," and then they start telling you more. Um hmm. yeah, that sounds that sounds so hard or um Or can you say more about that? You know, ugh, that's so heavy. You know, those are some kind of phrases that I find myself repeating a lot. And, um, you know, societally, I have a, I have a, I must confess something. I have a little bit of a pleasure about what all this pain is creating. It feels like we're countering society's urge to go so fast, so hard, fix, 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 um, and not hold the grief that we need to come to terms to. And so there, there is that silver lining to me. And I question myself as I'm saying this, I'm thinking of how invalidating it may be to say it, but like there's something that this is going to be healing uh, when you get really big scale, you know, um, because we're, we're gonna, we're facing hard things. We're facing hard feelings but that's good for us as a society. It's good for us to slow down. It's good for us to learn to um, validate one another. It's good for us to see the ugliness that exists and try to work towards new re- new realities, recreate, re-envisioning a new world. You know, um, that's to me, is a silver lining that I'm really hanging on to, trying to, in the space and time, to create a more validating environment.
0: I think that feels really true, Erica. I think that that's connected to this idea that we're trying to consider that if we can grieve our losses, uh, hope actually grows and our suffering leads to more hope and not to furthering on the passing of the pain and the passing of reasons to have grief. Uh, It does strike me that like, I mean, I'm thinking about situations in my own life, uh, but I'm thinking about situations where, where I've been on the receiving end of like somebody trying to problem solve. And that really just passed the currency, didn't it? Like it didn't Mm, actually, it didn't actually grow anything good in me. And I've certainly been the one passing it on because I tried to problem solve too quickly.
1: Sure. And a conventional idea that um, we therapists are taught about grief is that there, there's so there's no right or wrong way it's so complex um it has various waves of lots of different things coming at us at various points in time um and when we can allow this wave to be that is the more helpful way to heal versus and to try to repress mm. that feeling back that actually can inhibit our grief and which turns to depression oftentimes so um, to allow the wave to be what it is um helps us move forward to be able to hold on to learn new patterns new ways of being new new growth Um, and so uh accepting and providing space counterintuitively solves the problem of grief i don't you know it's very very yeah Yeah. Oh, you have, you have company. You have
0: <laughs> <laughs> it it strikes me just how much, um, just how useful the these principles you're talking about are, you know, not just for our own uh, mental and emotional health, but if we wish to be uh, a part of communities or a part of family units or a part of friend groups that are healing to each other and that are offering things to each other, um, you know, uh, us just not thinking about how, how can we, how can we create more environments of validation for ourselves internally? But how can we be uh, a really useful thing for all of us here today is just to consider like, how am I trying to create environments of validation for other people? How am I making that easier for them in their internal lives? Uh, I would love to get to um, your third principle, but before we do that, uh, maybe I can bring in Abby here, our moderator. Um, Abby, any comments that we're seeing from the chat or did anybody take us up on uh, this idea of like, uh, Erica, trying a case study of of talking through the, uh, trying to find the Venn diagram.
2: Yes, people did. Um, so thank you for, thanks to everybody for in the chat, but also Ben and Rebecca and Kyle for sharing like a personal experience. Um, and so I think this idea of emotional versus rational is really resonating with people. That idea that um, Ben shared, you know, being um, envious with of people who are living with others, but then having this rational um, mindset saying, well, no, there are others who are even um, even lonelier or who have it worse, which I think that really speaks to what you were saying, Erica, of that kind of rational comparison. Um, and then Rebecca also was sharing that um, while she can recognize that anxiety might be um, irrational or hold her in a place that feels unproductive, um, she also might feel kind of like still really scared and stuck with those fears. So having that as sort of a sticky, a, a place to feel stuck. Um, and then Kyle also, um, I think all of these, I imagine resonate with a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. And then Kyle also shared, you know, about his children doing remote learning, thinking that, um, you know, rationally, his kids are gonna be fine. The, the important thing is getting through this pandemic, but then that emotional, um, reaction of, oh no, they're falling behind. Like everything is, uh, you know, we're losing all of this time. Um, Mm. so, um, and I see more people are commenting, so I'll look through those in a minute, but just thank you for everybody for, um, you know, being vulnerable and sharing some of your personal experiences too. Mm.
0: Yeah. Thank you everybody. And thank you, Abby, Erica, any, any thoughts of just like how, um, you know, putting yourself in the, in the shoes of those scenarios, how you might, um, do that Venn diagram thing.
1: Sure. Um, so for Kyle's scenario, right? Like, of of on one hand, of course, it is um, hard to see your kids, you know, falling behind. Like, the, uh, mine are too. I have two of my threes are making D's and F's, and that's never happened before. Um, so validation for that, it feels bad. Um, and uh, and then, yes, there are other kids who are struggling more. And then here we have this environment of invalidation where our standards are the same, why, you know, <laughs> during this pandemic. Um, so yeah, it's it can, I hope it feels a little freeing to, um, so I'm, if you're sitting with your child trying to give them some support and you feel frustrated that they're not getting it or frustrated you don't have the resources to help them in that moment, um, you know, um, to be able to try to validate the pieces there might can help you take a breath and feel a little less reactive with your with your uh, with your kid um, in that moment and hold that moment as okay. What what's effective right now? Um, knowing these all these parts are hard, um, and then I think regarding the pain of anxiety, ugh, such a such a hard thing. Um, deal with because it's trying to get us to problem solve so it can it can feel very cognitively Mm. active right busy busy think 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 um or at least that's a lot of people experience anxiety as a cognitive reality although it can be more body-based um so there it we're anxious because we care about something something's in threat and trying to validate I'm anxious and thinking about this because I really care about I care about this. Mm-mm. That can be a way to validate anxiety in a kind of more of a door opening way to say of course I'm anxious about that argument with my partner. I want a sta- stable partnership, you know. Um of course I'm anxious about about my job situation. Um I really need finances and that drops from anxiety to a more to the emotion under it, hmm. or the hmm. value under it, and from there we might can feel a fresh space for prayer or a fresh space for validation. Because sometimes anxiety is dancing on other things, um, and and we get trapped up here um, at times, um, and we we can get to validating the emotions that are anxiety is trying to protect us from. Um, hmm. Yeah, a lot to be said. Anxiety's complicated and hard, so a lot to be said about that. But. Yeah,
0: yeah, certainly, and 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 for for many of us, there's there's no way we can solve it in in a in you know in one discussion. Uh, but this this uh, these starting points and these you know little hooks to kind of take us the next step are really really helpful. I appreciate you like what we're, you know, wearing the, trying those on for size for a second. That was really useful. Mm. Um, let's, uh, let's visit just uh, the last principle uh, that you wanted to share with us today. Um, uh, to, to close, um, Erica, tell us uh, what you mean when we talk about radical acceptance.
1: Mm. Um, when I'm teaching radical acceptance to people, I usually teach it last. <laughs> it is, it is, um, because it can sound invalidating and that is not the heart of it at all. Hmm. Um, radical acceptance um, is is a tenet of DBT and the creator of DBT um, began to make a skill for how do we accept our reality as it is? What would that give us? And she derived that from, um, from Buddhist monks, from Zen Buddhism who say, you know, we we have pain in life that is going to be. How much we fight our pain and how much we are in distress and trying to fix, 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 fix the pain can actually exacerbate our aggregate distress. <laughs> um, if that makes sense. I don't know if you can show my hands or if the screen is up, uh, but like I, as I teach this, I kind of teach like, we're going to have pain in life um, at varying levels and points again, as on waves, right. And how much we fight that pain and are working against it and trying to stop, 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 stop. It can elevate our aggregate quotient of pain. (laughs) I'm speaking about this in my rational mind. We can tell. So to, to permit the pain Hmm. lowers our aggregate distress. Um, so that's all very heady. What, what this idea of, and it's a skill that we practice over and over and over again, um, how this can look. So, um, I'll give an example. I can give, uh, which example do I want to go with from my personal life? Um, so I'm, I'm involved with the work and, and my College counseling center of around inclusion and equity. It is not where I want it to be. Our uh, I see so many more places we need to go to better serve the very diverse student body we're serving, and um, I'm find myself so th- that's painful to me, painful to the uh, my colleagues, painful to minoritized students, um, and I get in a tussle sometimes with myself what's best what's most effective what's the right thing to do um and as opposed to accepting our our staff isn't where it needs to be on this topic of cultural competence um and taking care of um um oppressed groups it's not where it needs to be and it when i can accept that is what it is right now in this moment um then sometimes I can find a more effective path okay so that's one one as opposed to um fighting 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 guys come on yes yes this is what it is this system isn't where it needs to be right now that is what it is um can lower me to be more kind and loving and compassionate and effective at the end of the day, hopefully and crossing my fingers. <laughs> um, okay. So a more personal example is, um, I, um, my, I'm trying to decide which one to go. I'm going to give a slightly lighter example. My, uh, so, I, you know, I like all of us have gained some weight and are eating new things, <laughs> eating more things during COVID. And, um, I can be, pissed at myself endlessly or you know like say why can't you just blah 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 um exercise don't eat 20 Snickers on Halloween. I did that. They were real good. Um you know um or I can just accept that happened. I ate 20 Snickers. <laughs> they were small. They weren't the full thing. Um they were like, you know, that size. Um and I this is what it is. I am uh, I'm going to be soothing myself with food in a new way, um, a different way. Um, my husband and I are going to argue because we are never not around one another more during the season. That is what it is. Um, you know, my kids are not going to be growing socially the way I would like to right now. That is what it is. So, radically accepting some of those realities. How do we do that? Is the question. A, we ch- we're trying to choose what what realities in my life do I want to accept right now? What can I, what do I wanna work on accepting? Um, I talked to some students and they're like, I can't accept that, you know, period, no. And I said, okay, well, let's not worry about that. You keep struggling with that, that's okay. Um, but if you want to accept something, then what? there's some practical things we can do um, from DBT. One is when we notice that we're fighting reality as it is to notice it and to practice turning our mind to a statement, a mantra of some sort, such as this is what it is right now. Um, This makes sense right now. This all came to be, all things brought this to how it is in this moment. Um, And then we can um, take a breath and I like to practice a body-based strategy here of tightening my arms and like my my shoulders, my arms all the way down if you can, um, or a muscle group that works for you. Um, tightening it, breathing in and then releasing it and opening your palms up. Um, you don't have to hurt yourself, don't strain. Um, but um, palms up, I try to then soften the little muscles around my, mouth and the little muscles around my eyes you can kind of practice that right now you actually don't have to touch it i'm just trying to show you soften these little muscles as you breathe out so it's like a tense and a release softening and that is the body communicating up to the brain this is what it is you're okay right now because mm. it works bi-directionally so it's the body telling the brain you're okay you can accept this as it is you can accept the the arguments with your with your friend with your with your loved one (laughs) um and um and that's a tiny little micro way to practice some acceptance
0: wow that is uh, so useful to me just uh, as somebody who is not often um, in touch with how my body is activated in anxiety you talked about like anxiety being a very cognitive thing for a lot of people definitely i experience that but i think i also experience it, you know, like tension in my shoulders and things like that. And I, but I just, I, I don't I pay attention to it, or own I, own I'm own not own aware that it's going on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, if I can go uh, theological here for a second, I just, you know I'm, I'm returned back to this idea of um, Jesus offering a, a really striking alternative to uh, this quote, uh, that we, that we began, uh, uh, considering this morning of pain and suffering being passed around like currency from person to person, hand to hand, until someone refuses to keep passing it. And it strikes me that what you're describing with us doing, like this, this physical thing of, you know, t- tensing body, taking a deep breath and then letting go is us trying to take, you know, like we we have pain and suffering being coming at us, it, the currency is being passed to us. And we are in those acts, trying not to pass them on to the next person. We are trying to do what we see Jesus do on the cross. And that is the hardest stuff we will ever do. And like you said, it's like, we have to do this daily. We have to do this like week in week out because pain and suffering is just going to be keep passing through transactions can we be people where it stops with us so that we don't compound the problem i think we'd be happier i think we would be a part of making the world more uh more joyful and able to handle uh pain and, ma- and able to heal but this is uh, maybe maybe like as a i, I would I, I think we would love for you to pray for us erica as a close and so uh i, I would i would love for you to pray whatever is on your heart for us um as, as we bring this down for a landing but also it along those lines of like, we are all probably right now experiencing one or two or three or more than that hurts or pains that it's kind of up in the balance about whether we're going to pass that on. And so um, we appreciate all of the practical help, but I'd love for you to pray for us in that space.
1: Absolutely. Um, Jesus, I don't understand how you hold so much hope and so much suffering in your hands. You're a mystery and I I pray that we can turn to you with, with expectation, with curiosity, that you can give us all strength, that you can understand, that you can be with us and i pray for this beautiful community and all the the waves of everything that that folks are are holding and the ebbs and flows of loneliness of despair of generosity of anger uh, of anxiety and of passion and i what a beautiful ocean you're creating (laughs) with this community and thank you for holding it and teach each one here today to be a raft (laughs) on these waves and and holding one another's hands together in the ups and the downs of each wave thank you jesus that that you know best and i ask this in your name amen